Uh, turn to First John chapter four. We've been looking. I, before we take communion together, I just want to. I just want to talk a little bit and just uh, share some thoughts about where we've been in this journey called filters and where we're going. Okay, uh, and. Uh, if you remember a filter, the way we're looking at filters, it's a metaphor for us to evaluate how we view ourselves and how we navigate our life and our relationships. Uh, so, so a filter is what helps us um, understand who we are, but also it helps us navigate through circumstances that we face every day and, and relationships that we have. But one of the things that we've been looking at is how our filters can be out of whack and, and really faulty filters because they're built on a faulty formula. These faulty filters lead us to all kinds of crazy behavior. And they're built upon a faulty formula. Now, here's the faulty formula, okay? The faulty formula is what I do plus what others say or think about me equals significance. Now, I want you to think about that just for a second because um, in some ways, that formula makes perfect sense to us. And in some ways, this is how we've been living our life. In some ways, this is what we've been about. We've been building our life on the idea that what I do gives me significance or what others think or say about me, my reputation. That's what gives me significance. And so we've been building a lot of our life on those, on those ideas. But guys... As we've seen already, that is a faulty formula that will lead to all kinds of insane crazy in your life. It will not navigate your relationships to a good place, but rather it will navigate your relationships upon the rocks and the reef of ruin. It is going to mess up your world. It's not going to help you navigate through your circumstances because it sees circumstances through the lens of how I can control or how I can convince others rather than really it's like rope in the wind you can't do it so it, it, it it'll lead to all kinds of crazy in your relationships and in your circumstances most of all though it's going to lead to all kinds of crazy inside you because when you build your life on a faulty formula it leads to fault lines and cracks in your soul. And this is true of followers of Jesus and those who aren't followers of Jesus. The reason we build our significance and value on what we do or what others think or say is because we were born with this separation anxiety. This separation anxiety created by our sin. We're separated from God. And because of that separation anxiety, we've been on this search for value and meaning and worth. We, we were intended to have that significance, that value, that worth. We're, we're, we're meant to find it and taste it every day in fellowship and friendship with God. But because of this sin factor in our life, we've been separated from God. And that separation anxiety leads us to try to fill the gaps. And we fill the gaps with what we do or what others think or say about us. But it just doesn't work. So we've been taking time each week. and We've been looking at, really we've been looking at a theological concept that helps us dismiss a faulty filter and embrace God's point of view or a gospel filter. Okay? 
All right, so what we did first week is we took the first part of this formula, and, and the faulty formula is I am what I do. I am what I do. So if I succeed, I am a success. If I fail, I am a But the problem with that is we all fail. And that's just unacceptable when you define who you are based upon what you do. The fear of failure is the dominating force in your life, so much so that you begin to do crazy things to make sure you do not fail, to reach a certain standard, to achieve a certain goal. Because if you're going to be a success, you've got to succeed. How many of y'all batted a 1,000 when you played baseball? At T-ball, maybe. Or maybe not. Um, Nobody bats a 1,000. How many of y'all consistently, perfectly, always, since the day you picked up a bowling ball, bowled a 300? Every single game, every single lane. You always, always leave a spare somewhere, don't you? You see, it is impossible to achieve success in a perfect way. It is impossible to achieve perfection in your goals. There's nothing wrong with setting goals, and there's nothing wrong with achieving, except when you define who you are based upon your successes or your failures. But God says, you don't have to meet certain standards in order to have value. God says you have value because Jesus has given you his righteousness. When Jesus gives us his righteousness, when by faith we trust Jesus as our only hope for rescue and life and salvation and and meaning and, and purpose, when we look to Jesus as the one source for everything that we need, it's in that moment when we repent our sin and, and, and kneel before him, Jesus, in that moment he places upon us his righteousness. And by the way, Jesus batted a thousand every day. And every time he picked up a bowling ball, if there was such a thing, he would have bowled a 300 game. He never made a mistake. He always pitched the perfect game. All other sports are gone. Now we just have baseball. Basketball still going on? No, it's done. Well, yeah, you could always hit a... And yeah, okay, Stan, I'm sorry. All right, so anyway... I'm trying to get to the Lord's Supper here, all right? So, so here we go. Here we go. Uh, by the way, in a minute, I'm going I'm to talk about Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And I said that every, uh, there were 12 feet there, uh, or uh, 24 feet. He had 12 disciples, 24 feet. And I said, and 240 toes. I mean, maybe they had 10 toes for every foot in Palestine at that time, but probably not. Anyway, that's I had math teachers come up and say, it's 120, Pastor. <laughs> yes, ma'am, I know. F, right? You see what I'm saying? You're not going to do it perfectly. All right, so, so uh, we, we need something other than what we do to find value, and that's what God does. See, God begins, God doesn't begin with our failure or our imperfection. God begins with his love. When he looks at us, he doesn't begin looking at us based upon how well we achieve. 
He begins by looking at how much he loves us. That's how the story begins. God treasures us. He values us. That's how it begins. So God sent Jesus to give us his righteousness. We looked at Colossians chapter 3, seeing how that, that Jesus became our righteousness. He died for our sin and he rose again so that we could be made fit for God's presence. Because Jesus gives us his righteousness, we no longer have to meet certain standards in order to have value and worth and significance. Rather, we understand that in Christ, we are fully forgiven. In Christ, we are perfectly pleasing to God. Do you realize that today, regardless of how well or how poorly you perform, you are fully forgiven and perfectly pleasing to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's an everyday experience that should awaken us in the morning and kiss us, kiss us goodnight uh, when we go to bed. It is an experience. It is a reality. This is our new view. I am fully forgiven, perfectly pleasing to God. And the theological term there is Justification. Justification. Last week, we looked at another theological term called reconciliation. The faulty filter that we were looking at is I am what others say I am. So I, I define who I am based upon what you say about me, and sometimes that's good. All the deacons on this front row, I'm going to be so, my, my esteem would be so high because y'all only say good things about me all the time. Amen. That was a little manipulative. But not really, because they do. I know they do. It's in the bylaws and constitution. <laughs> anyway, it is. Uh, anyway, but, but I know that when I wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, do you know when you wake up in the morning, you are going to disappoint a lot of people? Do you realize that? I mean, I wake up in the morning knowing that there are a couple of hundred people that I'm going to disappoint just by breathing right? I mean, that's true. That's true. That's part of life. That's part of experience. So if I, no matter how hard I try to make you happy, I'm not going to make you happy. I have four daughters sitting right over here. Do you realize that they're more important to me than you are? I don't like to say it as bluntly as that, but sometimes I just have to. They're more important to me than you. And so if the choice is make them happy or make you happy, guess which way I'm going to go? Their mother. That's the way I go all the time because she's more important than you. And girls, I love y'all, but she's more important than y'all. And y'all are like, ooh, that sounded a little rough, but it's true. It's because there's going to be a day when they leave my nest and they're not going to be home anymore and they're going to be with some husband like when they turn 30 and 40 and get married. <laughs> God joined Edie and me together as one flesh. She is the most important relationship I have this side of heaven. And so if it comes down to pleasing you all or them or her, I'm going with her. But here's the problem with that. I'm not going to please her all the time. Do you realize my wife wakes up in the morning sometimes thinking not so pleasant thoughts about me? That's how I can live with the deacons. You know, I mean, <laughs> truly, I mean, it's okay. It's all right. Look, my wife doesn't like me all the time. Do you realize that? I mean, I know that may seem a little bit uncomfortable to you, but I'm just, I'm just keeping it real right now. I mean, she loves me. She just doesn't like me too much sometimes. 
And she, she doesn't always think good thoughts. If she heard me saying this right now, she would be thinking bad thoughts about me. So if I'm living my life to make her happy or to please her, or to gain her approval, make no mistake, if that's how I define who I am, if I define my existence based upon how well she thinks of me or says things about me, then that is unhealthy and it's going to lead to all kinds of crazy. This is why your kid will jump off a cliff to follow after Jimmy. Yes, your child will jump off the cliff or the bridge if Jimmy does it. Yes. Why? Because your kid wants Jimmy's approval. It's the way we're built. We, we, it's this separation anxiety. We needed approval, and that approval needs to come from God. But because of our sin, we're separated from him. We're not getting that approval from God because of us. And so that separation anxiety means that we're trying to fill in the blanks. And so we try to get the approval or the acceptance of other people. But it'll lead to all kinds of crazy behavior and doing kind of crazy things. And it'll lead you to all kinds of inconsistencies in your life and doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. Why? Because you will do anything for somebody to think good thoughts about you because that's who you are. But the gospel teaches us something different. See, the gospel tells us not that we earn God's acceptance, but that Jesus gives us his acceptance. We looked at Colossians 1, 21 and 22, and, and we saw how Jesus, Jesus is the one who brings us to God. He's the one that reconciles us to God. He's the one that paid the price so that, so that we might be accepted by God and acceptable to God. That's not based upon anything you do. That's not based upon how you behave. That's not based upon what anybody else says about you or thinks about you. It's based upon God's love. And that's how God begins. Remember, God doesn't begin with what you've done. God doesn't begin with, with uh, uh, what others think about you. God begins with his heart of love for you. So because Jesus has given us his acceptance, now we no longer have to gain the approval of others in order to feel good about ourselves. Now we know that in Christ we are absolutely accepted by God. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to change that. Once you come to faith in Christ, you are absolutely accepted by God. Period. So that leads us today to see that in Christ, I am deeply loved by God. Everything that we've looked at up to this point points us in the direction of God's great love. And, and in 1 John chapter 4, it, it, verses 9 and 10, we hear the apostle, uh, the apostle John describe it this way. He said, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to become the propitiation for our sins. Now, that term propitiation means that Jesus paid the price for our sin. And it's all because of God's love. If this great truth in Christ, I am deeply loved by God, if that's, if that's the true picture of who we are, then what's the faulty filter? Well, the faulty filter is when I blow it, I'm unworthy of love. 
That's, that's the faulty filter. And, and this is the, the idea that because you make a mistake, you deserve to be punished and you're not worthy of love. Think of it this way. You have a piece of paper and you're supposed to paint a self-portrait. And you get out your Crayolas with the, with the uh, uh, sharpener in the back, 64 piece, I guess is what that was. That's when I was a kid. And, and you open up your, your box of Crayolas, but somebody made a mistake, and all you have is gray and black. That's all you got. You've only got the gray and the black. And all those little bitty boxes in there, they're all grays and blacks. And so you look at your canvas... And you say, well, that fits who I am. And you paint your self-portrait in the dark colors because that's how you see yourself. And you don't, even, you don't even have any other color in your crayon box. The only way you see yourself is through the lens of your failure or blowing it or mistakes. It's when you walk into a room and you... And, and you don't see the beautiful painting, you see a little scratch on the floor. The painting, a masterpiece. But all you can see is a little scratch on the floor. And that scratch may be so small that most people wouldn't see it, but boy, you are trained to find the fault rather than the beauty. You see yourself that way. So much so that, and by the way, if you are the person that finds fault in others all the time and always ranging, uh, uh, railing around about how bad somebody else is and always talking about how that person needs to have so-and-so, something, something done to them, if you're that person, it's not because you are so great in your judgment. It's that you are so insecure in your soul. It's because you see yourself that way. Anybody that paints other people in dark colors is just trying to call attention to their failure because they can't deal with their own. And when, when John is writing this, he's saying, look, God's love is manifested toward us. In, 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 and, and he's done this by sending his son into the world so that we might live through him. And guys, it is no way to live with that separation anxiety where you recognize innately that you have blown it so many times and you deserve punishment. But what you do is you begin with your failure rather than where God begins. You see everything through the lens of condemnation. Condemnation that you deserve and condemnation that you dole out. You know the people. There, there are people in this room just like this. And you know them. Maybe you are them. Can I tell you, you don't have to live that way anymore. Can, can I say even more forcefully, you shouldn't live that way anymore. You see, the gospel is not just good news that saves us from hell. The gospel is the good news that saves us every day from ourselves. It removes the separation anxiety and brings us into fellowship with God. The reason we can live is because Jesus has taken our punishment for our sin. And this is the gospel filter. Jesus takes my punishment, the punishment that I deserve to pay, the punishment that, yes, I need and and. And 
And Jesus takes it on himself. He became the propitiation for our sin. He took our punishment so that we don't have to live under the threat and the fear of punishment any longer and we don't have the right to pour out punishment and condemnation on others just because we feel bad about ourselves. See, the gospel changes everything. Is it changing your heart? Because of propitiation, because Jesus has taken my punishment on himself, it means the result is that I am free from condemnation. I'm free from condemnation. I'm free from doling out condemnation. I'm free from living under the weight of condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says it very precisely. For there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who are walking not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God did by sending His only Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, that He might become the righteous so that He might fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, so that we might be the righteousness of God through faith in Him. Guys, here's the key for us. It's not that we behave perfectly. It's that we bask in God's love. God doesn't begin his story with you with your failure. God begins his story with us with his love. And based upon his love, he was going to do whatever it took to remove the separation anxiety between them. So Jesus paid the price. So You don't have to live under the condemnation that you did not achieve the certain result that you were hoping for. You don't have to live under the condemnation that you're you're berating yourself with. And you certainly don't have the right to accuse others with all the crimes that you perceive that they have done. Some of us have been believers, followers of Jesus for decades, and we still behave like little babies. You know what I mean by that? When I was a kid, and I would color on the wall or burn the hair off my G.I. Joe or try to burn the mattress with some matches or... any of those things and more. And I got caught, you know what I would do? See, I couldn't take the idea of being a failure or I couldn't deal with the fear of punishment. So when I got caught or called out on some of those behaviors, you know what I did? I said, well, you know, Brett, he ran across the street and nobody's looking. That's my brother. (laughs) Well, you know, Brett, he dug a hole in 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 the wall over there he covered it up with his poster. Well, you know, Brett, he, he kicked me when I was asleep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to point in his direction so that I don't have to look in my direction. You know, some of us, that's all we're doing, trying to play this shell game with blame, trying to put it on you, trying to put it on you, trying to put it on you so we don't have to deal with 
the fear of our failure, the fear of our punishment, but guys, that's not the way to behave either. Jesus already taken care of this. He took the punishment for your sin and mine upon himself so that we can be set free from condemnation, receiving it or giving it. Today's Father's Day, and my dad got to spend some time with him this past week. I love doing that. And, and as I spent time with dad, I, I was thinking on our drive home yesterday, I was thinking about how, how blessed I've been to have my dad. Um, you know, my dad begins his story with me with his heart of love for me. I think back on all the times that I have blown it, all the times that I have failed, all the times that I've stumbled, all the times that I've sinned, all the times that I've been rebellious. I think about the course of my life, and that's up to six years old. It got a lot worse after that. I think about all of, all of my life, and no matter how badly I blew it, my dad never came to me with a hammer in hand to condemn. But he came with his hand stretched out with compassion. Doesn't mean he overlooked my sin. Doesn't mean that he ignored my failure or stumbling. It means that with a compassionate heart, he stretched out his hand to help me up and to walk with me day by day by day until I got back on the right path. Because he begins his story with me based on love. Today, God stretches out his hand of compassion to you. You are deeply loved by God.